To start today's message, I want to talk about the difference between chameleons and caterpillars. A little bit random, I know, but uh, both absolutely incredible, amazing creatures. Chameleons, of course, these amazing creatures that can transform themselves so that they look the same as whatever their surroundings are around them. And so they've got the ability to change colour and to be able to do that, uh, mainly so that they can avoid being attacked. So if they see something that's coming at them and that's going to put them in danger, then they manage to conform to what's around them and to be able to blend in in a full way. With a chameleon, obviously that change is not permanent. It's something that is transformation, yes, but once the danger has passed, then the chameleon changes back to its normal colour and it can change colour and colour and colour, but ultimately it will always change back. Caterpillars are also these really, really amazing creatures because a caterpillar, at some point in its life, goes into a cocoon and then transforms and becomes a butterfly which is absolutely extraordinary when you think about it. A completely different creature comes out of this thing that we often think is quite creepy, little caterpillars that crawl around the place. The difference is, obviously, the change there is permanent because it is an inward change that the caterpillar actually changes completely who it is. And caterpillars can't change into a butterfly and then revert back into a caterpillar. Once that change has happened, that's it. It's now a butterfly and that's what it is. We've spent the last few weeks talking about why we're here as a church. And uh, at the start of this series, we talked about these verses that come from Jesus, uh, some of the last words that he said, which we call the Great Commission, where he said to his closest friends, his followers, his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. So go then to all people everywhere and make them my disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And I'll be with you always to the end of the age. And so over the last few weeks, we've been talking about the reason that we're here as a church is to follow Jesus' instructions, to make disciples, which we've unpacked, as making apprentices. And so we have then said that for us as a church, our way of articulating what that process of making disciples or making apprentices looks like involves these three words, being a Jesus-centered spiritual family who are seeing lives change. And so as always, you have your teaching notes inside of Care and Connection and up the top of that, you can see that. And so if it's helpful as we go through today's message to jot some things down as we wrap up this series, then please feel free to do that. But over the last few weeks, we've talked about what that statement means, that we want to be a church that is Jesus-centered, that ultimately everything that we do comes back to Jesus, to his life, his teaching, his death, his resurrection, and ultimately we want to be people who unapologetically center ourselves on him, individually, but then collectively as a church. Jesus is the one who leads us, and uh, as we talked about, Jesus is the one who breathes the resources into our lives so that we can be the people that he wants us to be. Last week, we then talked about the second part of this statement, that we want to be a spiritual family. And so we talked about how a spiritual family is a place where you're accepted for who you are, not for what you do, a place where you feel like you belong, a place that feels like home. It's a place where you can be authentic, where you can be real and genuine. You don't have to put on an act, uh, but you can process through the things that you're processing through in freedom. It's a place where you are supported, a place where in the difficult times you've got people who rally around you and a place where you're encouraged, a place where you have people who are cheering you on but also who challenge you to be the very best that you can be. 
And so today we're going to finish that out by talking about what it means to see lives change. Because we believe that if we are a community that focuses on Jesus in an environment that feels like spiritual family, transformation is going to happen. And if we go back to that idea of talking about disciples being apprentices, we recognise that change and growth is just something that we should expect. If someone starts an apprenticeship, whether that's to become an electrician or a plumber or to become a builder, whatever it might be, if they stay the same as they go through their apprenticeship, it's not going to work out very well for them, is it? They need to grow, they need to develop, they need to mature, they need to take on new skills, put those skills into practice and ultimately become better and better at the things that they're apprenticing towards. That's the same in our relationship with Jesus. He wants us to grow and develop and put into practice the things that he's teaching us as our master so that ultimately we can become the people that he wants us to be. And there is a little bit of a tension that we have to hold in that because the challenge for us is to recognise that God loves us as we are. Right now, as we sit here this morning, every single one of us are loved 100% by God. Accepted, embraced, welcomed into his family, all of that is true right now. But at the same time, God also wants us to continue to grow and develop and mature. One way that I've heard it put, which I think is very helpful, is that God loves us as we are, but God loves us too much to leave us as we are. God loves us as we are, but God loves us too much to just leave us as we are. And if we think about the relationship that parents have with kids, we can understand what this looks like. So obviously for us, we love Josh and Rachel 100% as they are right now. We love them, they're our kids, and at every stage in their development so far, we have loved them 100% as they are. But as parents, we want to see them continue to develop and grow, because if they just stayed as two-year-olds or five-year-olds, there's a bit of chuckling coming from the back there, I want to mention that, or 10-year-olds, or even Josh is now 15, if he stayed where he is, then we just know he's missing out. He's not growing into the potential that's inside of him to be able to come, become all that he's created to be. Now, will we love them any more five years from now, ten years from now, if they continue to grow and develop? Of course we won't. We love them passionately as they are right now, but we want the best for them. And so that's our understanding of how God thinks about us as well. God loves us passionately right now as we are. We don't have to do anything to try and prove ourselves or to earn God's love or God's favour. But God also wants us to go on this journey of allowing our lives to be transformed and changed. And so as I said, that's what we believe happens when we're a part of a Jesus-centred spiritual family. When we focus on Jesus When we follow Jesus, when we put into practice what Jesus has asked us to do in an environment where we've got spiritual family around us who support us and encourage us, where we can be ourselves and know that we're accepted, we believe that transformation can't help but happen. And it's very intentional wording that we've used as we talk about this last part of our statement. We could have said that we're a Jesus-centred spiritual family who are changing lives. And in some ways, that sounds far more dramatic and exciting. And We're changing people's lives. But that's the whole point. We don't actually believe that we are the ones, as a church, who change people's lives. We believe God is the one who transforms people and changes people's lives. We just have the privilege, as a church, to create an environment where that can happen in the best way possible and to point people consistently to Jesus so that they can continue to move forward. 
And so a helpful way of understanding what all this looks like is these verses that we're looking at today from Romans chapter 12. And so this is written by Paul. Uh, Paul was one of the leaders in the early church, a key guy who went all around Europe and uh, the Middle East and planted a whole bunch of churches, a whole bunch of communities that were Jesus-centered spiritual families, people who were discovering who Jesus was and centering their lives around that and then moving forward together. So Paul would go and spend time with people, help them understand what that looks like, and then he'd move on to the next next city or the next town and then he'd write letters back to each of these churches that he'd been involved in to continue to encourage them and to help them to keep growing. And so these verses that we're looking at today come from the book of Romans which is written to the church in Rome. And so Paul says these words, so my friends because of great God's great mercy to us I appeal to you offer yourselves as a living sacrifice to God dedicated to his service and pleasing to him. This is the true worship that you should offer. Do not conform yourselves to the standards of this world, but let God transform you inwardly by a complete change of your mind. Then you'll be able to know the will of God, what is good and is pleasing to him and is perfect. The message translation of these verses are honestly some of my favourite passages of scripture. I love coming back to this over and over again because I think it's so helpful to understand the journey that God wants all of us to go on. This is how it's written in the message. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. And we'll just pause there because what Paul is saying here is actually incredibly radical. The people that Paul would have been writing to knew what offerings were all about, whether they came from a Jewish background or whether they were part of other temple worship. They knew what it meant to bring an offering. It was something that you would bring either as a sign of gratitude or something that you would bring because you were hoping that the harvest was going to be really, really good or something that you would bring to make up for the mistakes that you'd made and to hopefully kind of get over those things. And so sometimes that was a financial offering, sometimes that was uh, an animal of some kind, whether it was a bird or a goat or a sheep. But these offerings that would be brought to the temple and given over. And then once they were given over, that was kind of it. But Paul says, actually, our whole lives now are supposed to be an offering to God. It's not about us once a week or once a month or every now and again, once a year, go to the temple and bring your offering and then you're good and then that's done. And it's not an offering that we do to make up for something. We're accepted and loved fully. And so now every single part of our lives, our sleeping, eating, getting up, walking around, going to work, hanging out with friends, all of those things are a part of our offering to God. God wants us to give all of those things to him every single day. And it's not an offering that we give once and it's something that's then dead. That's the end of it. It's over. We are told to give ourselves as living sacrifices consistently, day after day after day, putting ourselves before God and saying, here's my life. Take it and use it for your purposes. The message translation continues saying this, Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognise what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed 
maturity in you. So, as we think about this idea of transformation and this idea of having our lives changed, we can see that there are three key things that Paul touches on about what a changed life looks like. First of all, he says that a changed life can happen at any time, that every single part of our life is an opportunity for God to be at work in our lives. So, whether that's us going to sleep, waking up in the morning, eating, going to work, going to school, doing study, doing chores, doing shopping, whatever it is that we're doing, God can use every single one of those moments as an opportunity for us to understand more about him, as an opportunity to understand more about ourselves, to understand more about other people, understand more about life and meaning and purpose. And this is really important because sometimes it's easy for us to fall into the trap of thinking that life transformation, what God wants to say to us, can only happen when we're gathered together. That it's just this time when we're gathered together on a Sunday or if we're a part of our small groups or we get together with other people, those are the times when God can be at work and then the rest of the week's kind of ho-hum until I get to that point. But Paul's crystal clear that every single moment of every single day is an opportunity for us to recognise God's with us. God's at work. And so are we tuned in enough to be able to recognise what it is that he's doing and what it is that he's saying? Paul then says that a changed life comes through reflection and thinking. This is also a helpful reminder to us because it is really, really easy sometimes for us to just go into coast mode, just put the cruise control on and keep going, fitting into life without actually thinking about what's going on around us. So what Paul's really challenging us to do here is to stop and regularly think, are the things that I'm focused on, the things that I'm thinking about, the things that I'm passionate about, the things that I'm doing, are these things aligned with Jesus' values? Are these things that are aligned with the way that God created us to be? And sometimes the answer to that is actually yes. As we look at the culture around us, there are actually some really, really positive things. If we look at the emphasis on relationships, We know that our culture really values relationships and that's an important thing and we would agree with that. We would say that's something that comes directly from the heart of God. We know that our culture is on a journey searching for meaning and purpose. That's a really, really good thing because we think all of us should be wrestling with those sorts of questions as well. We know that our culture is really passionate about beauty, whether that's art or music, or film, the Fringe Festival has just kicked off, whatever it might be, we know that there's this huge desire around us to be moved by all of this beauty that's around us. And again, we believe that comes straight from the heart of God. There's a real passion in our culture for justice, that things are supposed to be the right way. That comes straight from the heart of God too. So sometimes as we pause and reflect, we can say, yes, this thing that I am focused on or that I am passionate about is fully aligned with what God's best is. But other times the answer to that is no. Whether that's the need for more, we live in a culture where we're told on a regular basis, if you just have this thing, you'll be better. So whether that's a better phone, a better car, a bigger house, a newer gadget, better clothes, whatever it might be, we're told over and over again, if you just have this thing, everything will be better for you. And we know that those things ultimately don't satisfy at all. Numbing ourselves from things that are difficult is a big part of the reality of the culture around us. We don't like pain and we don't like suffering. So we do all sorts of things to numb ourselves to the reality of thinking about what that is like. And we know that's not healthy. 
God wants to meet us in our pain and in our suffering. God wants us to enter into that and process through it, not just ignore it and pretend that it's not happening. So Paul challenges us to say, don't just fit into your culture without thinking about it. Regularly stop, reflect, and think. Is this aligned with Jesus' values? Is this aligned with God's best for my life? Because that's when we allow our lives to be transformed. And then thirdly, Paul says that a changed life starts from the inside out. And this is really, really important because some of us have probably been in churches. Some of us may well have grown up in churches where following Jesus was very much about behaviour management. You are allowed to do these things and you are not allowed to do these things. And it's all about what you do or don't do. End of story. The problem with behaviour management, which is us being affected from the outside in, is that generally that only works while you're in an environment where that pressure is being put on you. And as soon as you're not a part of that, you'll revert back to the other behaviour that you really want to do because that's what's inside of you. And so as we've touched on throughout this series, if we want real transformation to happen, it has to happen from the inside out. Coming back to the image of the vine, or as we've talked about before, the image of fruit trees, we recognise that a healthy tree or a healthy vine will grow and develop if it's in the right environment and if it's receiving the right nutrients. If those things happen, then generally trees grow, they get bigger, they get healthier, and ultimately they produce the fruit that they're supposed to produce. And that's what we believe about this journey of life change, that if we're in the right environment, if we're in a place where we've got supportive people around us, where we're focused on the right things, And then if we're feeding ourselves with the nutrients that Jesus gives us, if we're regularly reading scripture, if we're regularly praying together, if we're regularly doing the things that Jesus challenges us to do, then ultimately we will grow. We will become healthier and healthier and ultimately we'll produce the fruit that God wants to produce in our lives. Now this doesn't mean that we just sit back and don't do anything. If you want to have a healthy fruit tree, then at times you need to do some pruning. You need to do some weeding. You need to make sure that those nutrients are in place. You need to be intentional about those things. But the difference is, as we've already touched on, it's not about us striving or pushing ourselves or being driven or saying, I have to do this or God's not going to accept me. We do these things because we are loved by God now as we are. And so we put ourselves in an environment where we can grow into all that God wants us to be. So we've talked about different goals that we've got for each of these things that we're focused on as we head into this year. We talked about our Jesus-centered goal being that we want to help people take their next steps in their walk with Jesus as we go through this year. Last week we talked about our spiritual family goal being that we want to grow as spiritual family. We want to grow in our understanding of what it means to be spiritual family, but we also want to grow and have new people come and join our spiritual family. Our goal as we talk about this idea of life change is simply this, that we want to regularly share stories of transformation. It's a big thing that we want to focus on as we head into this year. Now, a couple of caveats that are really important to put in place as we talk about this idea. First one is the majority of us right now are saying, I don't want to do that. I hope they don't ask me to share my stories because none of us really want to talk about ourselves, which is completely fair enough, and that's a good thing. If we had a big line of people who said, I want to tell everyone how great I am, that would probably be a bit of a problem for us and we'd have some other things that we needed to chat about. 
All of us are people who are, by and large, very humble and don't really want to put the emphasis on ourselves. That's a good thing. The challenge for us to recognise is that when we talk about this idea, we're not saying we want people to share about all the great things they're doing. What we want to do is talk about all the great things that Jesus is doing. We want to take opportunities to be able to say, isn't it awesome that Jesus is at work in this person's life? Isn't it awesome that Jesus has been challenging this person and they've been taking this next step in their walk with him? One of the challenges for us as a church is that in order for us to know, are we moving forward and are we healthy, there are some measurements that we can take around that. We can talk about things like attendance, we can look at our offering, we can look at things like how many people are becoming members or getting baptised. Those are all really good health measurements. And when you go to a doctor, you know that's generally what happens. Uh, I went to the doctor this week and had my blood pressure taken and was told I have the blood pressure of a 20-year-old. So I was very, very happy about that. It was a very good health indicator, which I was very encouraged about. So that made me feel really, really good. So these health indicators can be a really, really good thing. But at the end of the day, they're just measurements and they're just numbers. They don't tell the real story. Because as a church, we're not just here to talk about numbers. We're here because this is what we're passionate about, stories of life change. Ultimately, that's what we want to be able to talk about and celebrate, is the ways in which God is at work in people's lives. So as we head into this year, that's what we want to challenge ourselves about, is to say, how can we regularly be sharing the good things that are happening around the place? Those times when we just feel like God challenged me in this area, I took a step in that and some really good things came out of it. Or I really appreciate the fact that as a church, we've been focusing on this because it's helped me in this area of my life. Now, recognise that most of us don't like coming up the front here. That's something that we want to try and push past as well as we go through this year. But we also want to talk about different ways of doing that. So one option that we've talked about is that we'd love to get some videos of people sharing those things. So just sit down and do an interview with a phone and be able to say, let's just chat so that it's not as intimidating to come up here. So throughout this year, that's our hope, is that we can share lots of those. So I want to say this morning, if as you're sitting here, there's a little tug that's happening in your mind and your heart, where you're feeling like God's just saying, it'd be really great if you shared what's happening in your life, I would love to hear from you. And I also want to say, if you hear about what good things are happening in other people's lives, feel free to dob them in and come and tell me, and then I would love to follow up with them. Because you know that there's nothing more encouraging for us as a community than to hear what God is doing in people's lives. I'm the guy who regularly stands up here and talks for 25 minutes or so. I know that none of what I say in 25 minutes can have even the slightest amount of impact that compares to what someone else shares when they talk about their life being transformed. There's something that just moves us, encourages us, captivates us when we hear the stories of change that are going on, when we know that God's at work, it really, really encourages us. And it encourages other people too. So, it's a big rant, but I really want to encourage you. As we go into this year, please come and share your stories with us. Help us to be able to share your stories with each other so that we can continue to move forward on this journey that we're on. Our hope and our desire and our prayer. Ultimately, as we talk about why we're here as a church and what we're all on about, is that we want to see people growing as apprentices. The best way to capture that is by sharing those encouraging stories around us.
So we're going to transition to a time of communion shortly, but as we wrap up our message, I want to leave us with this question to reflect on as we head into this week. How can I allow God to transform me this week? And that's a very intentional question because sometimes we can fall into the trap of thinking transformation is those really big, massive moments where God does something really significant in our lives and tips everything upside down and everything changes. And for some of us, we've had those experiences. For most of us, we haven't. And the change that's happened in our lives has happened simply by taking step after step after step after step of obedience in what God is calling us to do daily and weekly, taking time to say, God, what's next? What's the next thing that you want to do in my life? So here are a number of examples of what that could look like. For this week, it might mean, how do I take some more time to read my Bible? Maybe I haven't been reading scripture very much, or maybe I haven't been reading it intentionally. What's it look like this week to really take some time to read scripture and allow myself to be challenged by what I read there. Now, if you're not sure where to start as you think about reading scripture, then come and chat with me. I'd love to talk a bit more about what that looks like. For some of us, it might be about taking some time to pray, intentionally in the morning or at lunchtime or at night, being able to say, I'm going to spend some time with God, just talking about what's going on and listening to what he might have to say to me. For some of us, it might be about spending some time with God in a different way, going for a walk, going and sitting in a park, going and sitting down the beach. This week would be a great week to go and sit down the beach. So taking some time to be able to just spend time with God, to recognise God's a part of every moment in our lives. And so we can sit and just be with him and see what that looks like. For some of us, it might be about taking some time to listen to some music. Again, beauty, art that moves us to be able to engage with God through that. For some of us, it might be about taking some time to reflect. So whether that's coming back and doing some journaling to be able to say, what am I focused on? And are those things that I've just taken on board because that's part of our culture? Or are these things that are really aligned with the heart of Jesus? What are my priorities? What are my focus areas? Taking some time to reflect on that. For all of us, it could be as simple as this. We've said throughout this series that Jesus' commands can be summed up very, very simply. Love God, love the people around you the way that God loves you. It's as simple as that, but it's also as complicated as that because every day we've got the opportunity to stop and say, how amazing is it that God loves me as I am? And what does it look like for me to love God back? And what does it look like for me to love the people around me? So for some of us, it may be as simple as saying, every day I'm going to get up and say, how do I love God more and love the people around me more than I did yesterday? And then the day after to do the same thing and the same thing and the same thing. Because as we focus on that, we can't help but have our lives changed and our lives transformed. I'm going to pray and then we're going to take some time together around the communion table to continue to reflect and respond. Let's pray. God, we thank you that in some ways life with you is unbelievably simple. It's about recognising that we are loved and embraced and accepted as we are, which is absolutely staggering. As we've touched on through this series, you love us the way that you love Jesus. That alone is more than enough for us to reflect on and ponder as we live our lives. But you simply call us to be people who embrace that 
allow that to transform us from the inside out and then change our focus and our priorities and the way that we think about and treat the people around us as we have the privilege of extending that love that you give to us to all of those that we encounter week in and week out. But we also know that that is the journey of our whole lives, that none of us have got that down perfectly, that all of us in different ways have rough edges, areas that we struggle in, areas where we're not fully reflecting you, Jesus. And so we thank you that we're accepted as we are, that you want us to continue to grow and develop, that you do want to change our lives, you want to transform us, and that as we head into this new year, you want us to be able to be people who grow, that as we get to the end of this year, we can say, look at how much God's done in my life, look at how much God's done in the life of our church community. And so we thank you for the excitement that comes from looking into that journey, seeing the path that's ahead of us. And I pray that as we head into all of that, you'd give us a sense of inspiration, a sense of encouragement, a sense of knowing that we go into that journey with you walking alongside of us. And as we head into this week, every single moment of every single day is an opportunity for us to see that you're at work, to spend time with you, to learn from you and to continue to grow. So we pray that you would continue to transform us individually and collectively as a church family as we head into this year. In your name we pray. Amen. I invite Roger and those who are helping with communion to come forward.